0: Welcome back. So we're now doing part two of the solo travel episode. Now we're going to chat a little bit about safety while traveling as a solo woman. So safety obviously is a concern like for all solo travelers, um, but especially solo women. One thing that I've noticed in the travel community is this insistence that avoiding problems or violence while traveling can be done through doing the right things and taking precautions or being prepared. And I really feel like this creates a false sense of security by implying that there is like a step to step guide to safety, because there's obviously not. And implying that there is really minimizes people's understanding of the facts, which is that violence against women is a worldwide epidemic. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can minimize your exposure to danger, but like the reality is that you cannot change the world. Um, And I think that this narrative of being careful is such an insult to women who have been harmed while traveling. Um, Anyone can be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, like, I could be in Toronto as much as I could be in Costa Rica. And honestly, like, some of my worst experiences of violence have taken place in Canada, Mm -hmm. not abroad. Like, if anything, I'm probably safer when I'm traveling because I'm on alert, like, way more than I am when I'm moving around Toronto. Um, but bottom line is like women aren't safe anywhere. And this is reality. Um, so obviously it's important for us to encourage each other to travel safely and take precautions. But I really encourage people to consider how they do that. Like caution the woman in your life in a sensitive way, not in a way that makes them feel like you don't trust their judgment or trust their ability to assess
1: danger. Mm-hmm. Have you experienced this yourself? Yeah, definitely. I've, um, I've, a lot of people have said, like, when I pick certain countries, like, why are you going alone as a woman? But I've I've been in Toronto, same as you said, and things have happened. Like, when I was a, living in Australia for a year and I came back, I was on the subway in Toronto and someone got stabbed. Oh. And I was like, what's happening? Yeah. I like, so I really feel like. It's, it can happen absolutely anywhere. Violence. Yeah. And I think you just... Like, as a woman, or at least from my experience, I'm always aware of my surroundings. It doesn't matter if I'm traveling. If, if I'm at home mm-hmm. in Toronto, walking home late at night, mm-hmm. I'm always checking out, like, who's behind me and, like... You know? Like, you just have I to. Know. I know. So I don't find it so different when I travel. So I do find it. it gets kind of repetitive when people just keep saying over and over again. And obviously, you have to look into countries, like their history and their politics and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and i think your biggest thing is respect the country that you're going in Mm -hmm. like if you're a woman and they don't wear short sleeves and shorts don't do that yeah it's just like common sense and i think but i guess the common sense isn't that common no not always but yeah it's
0: funny because like i was assaulted in morocco and i remember like the assault itself was terrible but then coming home and having people being like well, why did you go to Morocco? Like, you must yeah. have known that would happen. And I was like, people, like, women, one in four women in Canada is assaulted in her yeah. lifetime. Like, I've been assaulted here as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's fair to equate no, that. Like, it, it belittles not. me and makes me
1: feel like shit. Yeah. And I do I do hate the whole idea of that, like, if you did something so differently, it wouldn't have happened. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like that's true. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the precautions that you take.
0: Yeah. And it's also very limiting, like that kind of narrative limits women from exploring the world. Exactly. Like what, I want to go to Morocco. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go. <laughs> I know, I feel <laughs> like, the same way. Like that's it. And- yeah. And I I feel really bad that, like, there are probably a lot of women out there who have limited the way that they, like, experience and explore the world Mm -hmm. because of this fear that is ingrained in them by these these kinds of narratives and, like, warnings and
1: cautions that they spend their whole lives encountering. Yeah, and I find, too, like, when I book trips that people have... um, opinions on mm-hmm. I don't really think about it until they start putting it in my head I know and then I start to get more anxiety about, about going because I'm like oh like I didn't even think about that mm-hmm. but I don't know I think they need to I think people need to approach it in a more like a gentler way like not like an accusatory way
0: yeah No, that's totally it. And uh, okay, I'm going to shout out my parents because I feel that they strike a really good balance in this where they do caution me, Mm -hmm. but they do it in a way that's like framed around educating me. Mm -hmm. So for example, I went to Myanmar a couple years ago, very controversial place to go. Mm -hmm. And I'll be the first to admit that I was a little bit ignorant about where I was going. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't super familiar with like the political situation. Um, But I had been in Southeast Asia and other travelers. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm more likely to base my judgment on, like, the safety of a country on what other people tell me, like, based on their experiences. So I was in Southeast Asia. All these women were telling me it was incredible, best country Mm -hmm. I've ever traveled. So it was, like, no question. Mm -hmm. And we booked to go. And my parents... Are at home in Canada, like seeing on the news all the headlines about genocide, mm-hmm. um, and so they they didn't tell me not to go. They just sent me the occasional
1: article explaining what was going on and like what region, yeah. and they just educated me. See, that's super helpful. My yeah. mom does the same thing. Like every time I am talking about a country that I want to go to, she always like <laughs> does all this research, yeah, and checks out like the travel advisory and like what yeah, people are saying about it, yeah. yeah. So that, and and it's helpful, yeah. It's for sure helpful. But some countries always have it. Oh, yeah. The thing is, and this is,
0: my dad will probably be upset for me saying this, but, like, I'm desensitized to the, like, high-risk now travel advisory. (laughs) because I'm like any country that's not Canada has that exactly. I know when I see that I'm like oh it's probably fine
1: yeah (laughs) I just like whenever I see that I look into it more yeah and then honestly my mom is like such a crazy researcher like she'll find everything so I'm always like okay thanks like sometimes I just have to tell her and I'm like I'll just wait (laughs) she'll just send me all the information yeah
0: Yeah, it's the same with my dad yeah (laughs) But um, if there's one thing I've learned, like, on a large, just, like, general safety scale, a lot of it has to do with region. And mm-hmm. this is something I only started realizing, like, I think I realized it first when I was in India, because India, like, for the most part is safe. Mm-hmm. But there's certain regions that you should, should avoid. Right. Um, and we were just in Jordan, and it was the same situation there where, like, it, you don't go to the borders. Mm-hmm. But within the country, like, in the center, it's pretty safe. That's good to hear. So I think a lot of people are turned off of a country just because they only know about the problem areas. Yeah, for sure. And that was the reality in Myanmar. Like, I don't know if I would go there now for ethical reasons, Mm -hmm. but in terms of, like, my safety as a tourist there, Mm -hmm. I was totally safe. Oh, that's good. Because, like, the tourist areas, they protect them. Yeah, for sure. It's making money for them. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I think that solo female travelers have to individually decide for themselves like what policies or precautions they feel are necessary to protect themselves. But I also feel like women should have the agency to make that judgment for themselves. Um, I don't think that it's anyone's right to criticize what a woman deems safe or unsafe for herself. Um, like I know that I can be overcautious at times. Mm-hmm. I remember, like in Morocco, my male companions being really frustrated with me because I was unwilling to go to like certain places or go into like certain situations. Yeah. Um, but that was directly related to my personal experience, oh, which for like, sure. had not been positive.
1: Yeah.
0: But I think like people forget that you need to respect like other people's perceptions of their own safety. Oh
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So overall, there's a lot to unpack, I think. But I, what it boils down to definitely is that like women shouldn't limit themselves. Mm-mm. And like, there's definitely benefit in traveling solo can totally be empowering. I think it's just important to like have a deep think about what you're okay with mm-hmm. and what you need to feel safe and like where you draw the line for your own safety. Yeah, and for concerns. Sure.
1: Definitely. So, tell us a little travel story. Well, I'll tell you about my experience in Morocco. (laughs) So, I had the same, I had similar, um, I had been thinking about Morocco for a really long time. And I had heard very mixed um, reviews on Morocco from a lot of different travelers that I knew. So, I had two female travelers that went alone and they had experiences that weren't good. Mm. And so, they cautioned me about that. And I was like, okay, like, good to know. So, when I booked the trip, I decided I would do a tour. But I wanted to see Casablanca, so I went a few days early on my own. Mm -hmm. And from the beginning, it was kind of a stressful experience because I had so many opinions from people. And I don't know if it was, like, what was going on in my life at the time, but it was, like, really affecting me. Like, I had people be like, don't get mugged. And (laughs) they were like, why are you going to Morocco alone? And then then I also had someone say, like, can't you just pick a normal country for once? Oh, my God. And I was like... I, don't, I was like, I just want to discover the world. Let me live my life. <laughs> what, what is a normal country? Exactly. So <laughs> I was like, you know what? Whatever. I'm going to do it. Like, I'm, I'm going to book it. So I started to get really in my head, like, after I booked it. And my flight was really stressful. So from I flew from Montreal to... Casablanca, And it was one of the worst flights I've ever had. Like, there was just, like, have you ever been on a flight where there's just, like, so much going on? Yeah. And it's just, like, so anxious? Yeah. So that was going on. And then the guy in the row next to me passed out. <gasps> and then so there was, like, a whole bunch of um, paramedics or, like, the stewardess were, like, all around him, like, taking his blood pressure. And Whoa. I was kind of like, what's up? happening and then that like calmed down he was okay like he ended up being fine and we only had like two hours left of the flight and then as we're landing a fight broke out at the back of the plane what like screaming match and they <gasps> had to be like separate. it was two women and so the stewardess had to like break them apart before we landed and then the fighting continued like while we were landing and <gasps> do you know what they were fighting about? i still don't know i was kind of oh. like i'm scared. <laughs> Like, I'm just gonna focus on me. And then, as soon as it landed, I was like, okay, I need to get off this plane. So then I land, and I couldn't find the driver that I had set up. So I started like panicking. Yeah. And I didn't have any contact. For, like, who was picking me up. So I was like, okay, I was like, focus. I was like, you've done this before, it's going to be fine. So I ended up finding him, but it was because he didn't have his sign up. He was just like standing there talking to his friends. So I went up to someone. I was like, do you know if like this person is here? And they're like, oh yeah, he's right there. And I was like, okay, thanks. And then we get in the car with three guys, not one, no, three. And so I started to kind of be like, I don't know if this is normal. So I got my phone out and I turned my dad on, which I normally don't, but I was like, yeah. I have to track this. I need to know where we're going mm-hmm. to make sure we're going to the right hotel. And they were barely acknowledging me. Like it was like I wasn't there. Not speaking English. Not telling me like what how long the drive was or anything like that. So I was just like panicking. So then then the, the guy I met at the airport decides to get out of the car and he's like, The guy's gonna this guy's gonna take you the rest of the way. <gasps> And I was like, "What?" I'd be so scared. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, "It's okay. It's gonna be fine." I was like, I was like talking myself through it. I was like, "They don't look like they're gonna kidnap me." So I was like, kind of like. At any watch- point, did you consider jumping out of the car? I did. I would probably be thinking. About I, that. I didn't think about that because I was watching them and I was like, they're too calm. To be kidnapping me, I was like, their body language doesn't seem like they would. Wouldn't that be the body language that they're trying to kidnap
0: you? Like, you don't think cool. probably,
1: <laughs> probably, but it ended up being fine. I got to the hotel, and then i check in and i was like petrified at this point right and i had the whole day to myself and i was like what am i gonna do so like i'm like sitting in my hotel room starving and i was like yeah i have to go out i have to go out so i eventually went out to this cafe and all the guys were just staring at me like they're just staring me down like what is this girl doing alone like what is this white girl doing traveling alone and so I luckily there was like this really lovely woman working in the cafe and she couldn't speak English but she, we like made it work like she brought me like mint tea right away Aww. and then she was super super helpful and I ended up taking the rest of that food and I was like this is gonna be my dinner I was like cause I'm not leaving <laughs> my hotel like after this whole experience and that's when I went back to my hotel asked them about touring Casablanca. it was gonna be like $175 for a driver so I was like okay, I'm not doing that mm. and then they told me that uh there was another couple there that wanted to do it and they were Canadian and asked if I wanted to join and I was like I would love to join like mm-hmm. he's like okay I'll call you if they agree to it I'm like perfect so I get to my hotel I'm like in my room the phone rings and he tells me that they agreed so he's like so just be downstairs at 9 tomorrow morning I was like perfect I'm just stay in my room watch something on my iPad <laughs> yeah. and, and travel the world tomorrow <laughs> and then as I'm on the phone with him he's like are you going to go out tonight? And I was like, nope. And he was like, are you scared? And I was like, mm-hmm. And he's like, I can take you out. And I was like, no, I'm okay. He's like, I'll take you out. I'll protect you. I was like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to stay here. And then, like, I get off the phone. and I'm like, I'm going to lock my door. Like, so that was, like, my first initial experience with Morocco. But, like, after that, it was, like, completely fine. Yeah. But I was like, thank God I'm doing a tour. Because I was like, I literally... I've traveled a lot on my own. Yeah, and that was that was a, an unreal experience. And I was texting my dad. He's like, "I'm so proud of my world traveling daughter." I was like, "Dad, I'm literally in my hotel room. It's <laughs> like I'm not brave right now at all."
0: <laughs> that was me, like the entire trip in yeah. Morocco, just like scared of everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's for good reason. It is for good like, reason. When people are following you and, like, making those kinds of comments, that yeah. really, it really gets you your the head. the guys,
1: they're yeah. super intimidating because it's just their culture where they just mm-hmm. stare you down. And if you look at them, like, kind of like, don't look at me like you do mm-hmm. in Toronto, mm-hmm. they don't stop. Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, they like it. Yeah. Like, they're encouraged by it.
0: Yeah, no, and that's actually a real thing because mm-hmm. I know... I'm not sure like what it is that culturally causes us. So I, I can't speak for Morocco, but I can speak for India that I was told there not to maintain eye contact with men oh, okay, because they cool. see that as like you showing interest in them. Right. And so I actually learned like we were there long enough that it became like a
1: survival thing where I would always keep my eyes down. And I never smiled. That's another thing I read mm -hmm. before I went to Morocco because I'm a very big smiler. I always smile Mm -hmm. at people like all the time. Yeah. And I read that you shouldn't smile at people in Morocco. So, like, we're guys. And I was like, oh God, I'm going to have to really like. So I literally, I did what you did. I was just like, look down instead of like making eye contact with anybody. Yeah. Some people would disagree with this, but
0: like, there were days in Marrakesh where I would put in headphones. And I would just walk with, like, blinders on through the city, just, like, blaring music, not paying attention to anyone around me, just, like, I have a mission, I know where I'm going, like, I'm not engaging, not engaging with anyone. Yeah, so that was my tactic. It's a good (laughs) (laughs) tactic. All right, okay, it's rant time, because I need to bring up something that I noticed on social media this week, and I did a little Reddit searching. I couldn't find anyone who would also notice this. So mm-hmm. I think it's like an interesting topic to bring up. Um, so two of the influencers that I follow, women, are in Saudi Arabia right now on press trips. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them have large followings. And the fact that they're both there but not there together uh, indicates that like it's definitely a press, a press event. Mm-hmm. like Saudi Arabia's tourism board probably invited them. like it's probably completely covered. They're mm-hmm. being brought everywhere. Um, and this makes total sense because I did a little googling and I discovered that Saudi right now is investing a lot of uh, money into tourism projects. Um, so they're actually really trying to promote tourism to Saudi Arabia, which mm-hmm. is like a wild concept to me right now, but okay. Um, this is what makes me uncomfortable, though. These influencers are promoting a country that is actively engaged with ongoing human rights violations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to say I haven't disclosed this on the podcast before, but I do work for a human rights organization. Mm-hmm. That is my day job. Mm-hmm. And so it's too many times that the, the country Saudi Arabia like comes onto my radar. Mm-hmm. So I'm quite aware of like the ongoing issues there. Um, like, for example, in Saudi Arabia, like, male guardianship is practiced, which means that, like, women can't leave the country mm-hmm. unless they have a letter right. from, like, their male guardian saying that they have permission. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah so these influencers are influencers are doing this promotion in exchange for like a very luxurious trip mm-hmm. because the things that they're posting are like these beautiful landscapes of like desert and they're in these like private vehicles and they're on like the rooftops yeah. of these beautiful skyscrapers um so definitely luxurious um, and I'm certain that, like, because they're being escorted around, they're having a very limited and controlled experience of Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. which is a huge element of this rant. Because um, what I'm trying to say is that I think it is irresponsible for these influencers to be idealizing and romanticizing Saudi because um, they're portraying it as a, as like a viable destination, right. which it's not like I couldn't get a visa right. to go because I'm not married. I think you can get a work visa, but you can't get a tourist visa. I think some countries can, but Canada currently you can't. It's so crazy. So it's kind of strange that they're like hardcore Mm -hmm. promoting this as like the next big destination. And I guess just like overall, I wish that influencers, and I've thought this before about like big travel influencers, I wish that they took into account the like ethical implications of their travels um, especially as women travelers, because I feel like you have an added responsibility to be truthful. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this in the Morocco episode to be like realistic to the people who follow you and look up to you about the situation in that country mm-hmm. um, and how it could impact you and your safety. Like, I think that you have a responsibility not to encourage travel to destinations that are questionably safe. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you're not traveling Saudi, like with the tourism board, with an escort all the time, mm-hmm. I don't think it's safe. No, I agree yeah. with you. It felt like kind of propaganda. <laughs> yeah it probably is a bit yeah. I just thought yeah I yeah. just it rubbed me the wrong way and like the first influencer that I saw that was there I was like oh like interesting choice but then when I noticed that two of them yeah. and I did more research and like there's other ones there right now right. as well it's clearly just a big like press move so are these influencers are they married or no are, oh, they're they're not. Most of them are American, though. And I think if you're American, you can get a tourist oh, okay. visa. It's not easy, though.
1: Hmm.
0: In our LGBTQ plus episode, mm-hmm. um, our guest Zach mentioned that he follows an influencer who is queer. And he also went to Saudi Arabia on this like luxurious trip. Oh, and he was voicing the same concern. Right. So it's just like an interesting trend I'm seeing happening. Yeah, that
1: is interesting.
0: Yeah. I want to believe that, like, if I was a massive travel influencer, I would have the guts to say no to that kind of trip. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You already do. Yeah. Well, no one's offering me trips to South <laughs> Arabia or anywhere. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the pod today to talk with us about solo travel. Is there anything
1: you want to plug, like Instagram or You're teaching? Um, sure. You can definitely follow my Instagram. I have travel pictures all the time. Yes. It's just, um, at laurel.alexandra. Sweet. Yeah. So it's pretty easy to find. And it's open to the public. Ooh. (laughs) I also, I do have a travel blog that I don't keep up with at all. But it is there. It is available. (laughs) It's called Abroad with Lola, if anyone wants to check it out. Yes, I'll check it out.
0: (laughs) Everyone's on Instagram now. Big thank you, of course, to Katie, our producer, because here she is again making us sound so professional. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Instagram. So it's at alpacamybagspod. We also have a website, which is alpacamybags.ca. If you want to look at my personal website, it is pinatravels.ca. If you like what you're hearing, please let us know by reviewing the podcast. Um, You can also subscribe while you're at it. But yeah, reviews are where it's at because that really helps us out, guys. And of course, tune in every other Wednesday for more episodes. And uh, I hope you all get to pack your bags soon. (laughs) Until next time.